you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo Church. We're in a series, you probably guessed it from the, uh, the video that we just showed, uh, through the Gospel of John. We've been making our way through this Gospel. We are in the chapter known as chapter 11 in the Gospel of John. Uh, many people would, would call this the, the story of, 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 the, of, of Lazarus dying. But I, I want to just level with you here for a moment. John chapter 11 is not about Lazarus' death. It's the story of his resurrection. It's the story of him being raised to life. Amen. You go, but yeah, but he spent way more of the story sick or dead, <laughs> right? That's true. It's, it's absolutely true. Lazarus spends most of the story either sick or dead, but it's not, come on, it's not the middle of the story that defines the story. It's the end of the story. So the story is not about Lazarus dying. It's about Lazarus being res- resurrected. But can I, can I level with you? The story isn't really about Lazarus being raised from the dead either. That's not really what the story is all about. The, the point of, the, of John chapter 11, the story of John chapter 11, is the same story as the story of the entire book of John. It's actually the same story here's the, of the whole Bible. It's actually the, 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 the point, the story of the gospel of John chapter 11 is actually the point of your whole life. It's to see Jesus. The reason why this this story is given to us, this account, this factual account of these events taking place, why it is given to us is so that you can see Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's why it was written down. And so that's what we're going to jump into. The the, the goal of this story was not to impress you with a miracle, but rather to impress upon you the wonder and the beauty and the majesty of the miracle worker. So we've got to see past all of the spectacular, amazing things and see Jesus in the midst of it. So if you've got your Bible or a computer or a phone or something with the Bible on it, let's go ahead and go to John chapter 11, verse 38. We're going to get to the good part today. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word. If you're a guest here with us, we stand because it's one more way we can make you uncomfortable. If you're at home, go ahead and stand up. It's worth it. It's totally worth standing up. It'll make it better, I promise. Um, But no, we stand to show reverence, respect, and honor to the Word of God. Amen? We're a church that believes the Word. We build our lives on the Word. We love the Word. How many of y'all believe the Word? How many believe your Bibles? How many of you believe all of your Bibles? The front part. The back part. How many believe the table of contents? How many of you believe it is genuine leather? Come on, you believe all of it. Come on, we love our Bibles. John chapter 11, verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. That's going to be important later. Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, <laughs> there will be an odor. 
for he has been dead, not one, not two, not three, but four days. I love Martha. She is so practical. It's like, have you ever, I'm going to get in trouble. Have you ever been cleaning out your fridge and you find the Tupperware in the back of the fridge and there are colors inside that Tupperware that you don't recognize and you know you have to open it to clean it, but there will be an odor. That's what's going on here. Verse 40. Did he just say that Lazarus was in Tupperware? Yeah, he did. That's what he did. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died (laughs) came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's pray together this morning, church. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your, thank you for these kinds of accounts of of who you are and how you are. Thank you that we are not left to wonder or even know simply by experience who and how you are, but you've given us your word as proof, as certainty, as an assurance of who you are and how you are. And so today, God, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear just who you are and just how you are. Lord, in the midst of everything that is going to be spoken, I pray that what has just been read would come alive in our hearing. Lord, we want to hear your voice in the midst of your word. And so we come with eager expectation, great hope and and, and faith, believing that you will speak to your people today and those that you are working in their hearts. God, grant repentance and faith today. God, let us hear you. Let us receive what it is that you say. Let us respond to it in the moment. And as we leave, God, being transformed by your grace and by your truth and for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Go ahead and greet somebody around you and grab a seat. Amen, amen. I heard a story recently. I don't know if it's true or not. But uh, the story story goes that uh, a guy was working at immigrations, at customs, on the border. And they got word of, of a man who is going to be smuggling something into the country. Got a description of him. There's no information about what he was going to be smuggling, but, but this guy's a smuggler. He's trying to get stuff into the country. So, so this, this, this border agent, kind of being keenly aware of this, notices a guy driving a truck, suspiciously looks like the guy, looks like the description that they've been given. So he, he tells him to, you know, kind of pull, a, pull aside here. We've got we to check out your vehicle. 
So this guy does everything he knows to do to look for whatever this guy smuggled. Pulls off the bumper, pulls off the tires, does it all, finds nothing. Reluctantly, he has to go, okay, you can go. Got to let you go through. Can't find anything, you can go. A couple days later, same guy comes back through driving a truck. This time, the border agent's like, I got it. I'm going to x-ray everything. I'm going to put it through a sonar. I'm going to go have him go in the back room and do that thing that we do to people in the back room. We're going to find whatever this dude's smuggling. Checks everywhere, searches everywhere, finds nothing, has to let the guy through. This goes on for years. He tries everything he can think of. Can't find anything, so he's forced to let him go through. Goes on to the point where the, 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 the border agent actually retires. He's, he's retiring. He's done. He hasn't been able to catch the guy. He has his last day. Nothing. The guy goes through. Guy makes it through. Nothing. Can't catch him. A few months later, he bumps into this guy at a diner. And he walks up to him. He goes, I, I've tried to catch you for my whole career. I haven't been able to catch you. Look, I'm, I'm retired. There's nothing I can do to you now. I've got no authority, I've got no power, I have no ability. You've got to level with me, man. I know you were smuggling something. What were you smuggling and how did you get it in? And the guy looks at him and goes, I was smuggling trucks. <laughs> you see, sometimes we can miss, come on, the macro for the micro. <laughs> we can be so focused on looking for the small stuff that we can miss the big stuff. So this morning, I, I want to do two things. I want, I, want to, I want to talk to you under the title, if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you under the title, Graves into Gardens. But I want to make sure we cover the macro and the micro. I want to, I want to make sure that we, we get what this conclusion of the story is all about on both scales. So, so the first, I, I want to ask the big question. What do we see of Jesus from the story? If the purpose of the story I said at the beginning was that we would see Jesus, then what do we see of Jesus from this story, the, 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 the big picture? What do we see? It's, it's quite simple. We, we see that Jesus is on a mission, amen? He was sent on purpose. Jesus didn't accidentally stumble into the earth. He prays, he cries out, he says, God, that, that you would do these things so that, so that they would know that you, Father, sent me, that I'm here on purpose. Jesus is not just sightseeing. It's not like he was like, I haven't checked up on my creation in a while. I wonder what's going on down there. He's here on purpose. The second thing we see from the story, big picture, is that Jesus is the Son of God. That's where Christians say amen. Good job. A plus. By saying that Jesus is the Son of God, he is, in essence, saying that he is God. If you, if you doubt this, look back in the Gospel of John. This is the reason, the primary reason, why they have tried to kill him on several occasions because he claims to relate to God as Father, thus making himself equal with God. This is what Christians call the Trinity. And for the rest of this morning and three hours after, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about the Trinity. No, I'm not. Um, like Four of you are really excited, and the rest of you are like, I'm out, peace out. As soon as he bows his head again, I'm ditching. Now, that we, we need to understand that Jesus, by claiming to be the Son of God, claims to be God. If you hear nothing else from me this morning, hear that. Jesus is God. That's why it's all about Jesus, amen? 
So that's what we learn about Jesus from the story. Big picture, that's what we learn. I, I don't want to deny that, okay? That's the, import, that's, what we, that's the important stuff that we need to grab a hold of and understand, that Jesus was sent, Jesus is God, he's sent by the Father on a mission, come on, a mission of redemption, a mission of reconciliation, a mission of reclamation. He is at work, he is doing stuff. He's not just kind of wandering around, he's doing stuff. But, but now I want to shift and try to look micro here for the rest of our time together. What do we see of Jesus in the story? Do you catch the difference? Not just from the story, that's big picture, that's important, that's the stuff I don't want you to miss, but there's, there's a lot of truth that we see in the story as well. As we, as we walk through the text together this morning, I want us to see what we see of Jesus in the midst of the story. Can we, can we, can we do that? I'm gonna do it whether you say yes or not, so you'll like it better if you say yes. Here's what we see. We see that Jesus has real emotions. Can I get an amen from anybody who was raised in religion like me? That that's, that's liberating. Because I, I picture Jesus like he floats in on a cloud, completely disconnected from everything going on, and then just sort of floats back away again. I, I, my, my picture of Jesus was not a, an emotional Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was the stoic of stoics. He had no emotions because I, I, I always thought that emotions are bad. If not bad, at least I believe that there were, there, were, there were categories of emotion. There are good emotions and there are bad emotions. Jesus was fully, really emotional. It says in the text he was deeply moved. In fact, actually what the text says is he was deeply moved again. Which means this was not just a fleeting little, little flicker of emotion, but rather he was genuinely really feeling. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that Jesus was really there. Have you ever, have you ever tried to have an interaction with somebody who wasn't really there? Husbands, we struggle with this, don't we? Wives talk and we listen. Well, we, hear, we, we were there. See, I think that's sometimes the picture that we get of Jesus. Sure, he's here because he's, he's, he's everywhere, right? But is he really here? I love the fact that, that Jesus is, is there. He's, he's, he's got an eternal purpose, but that doesn't mean that he just ignores the temporal situation that the people are in. He, he engages in the midst of what they're going through. Jesus sees and knows and is aware of your present struggle because he's there. When, when, you're, when you're struggling, when you're in pain, when you're, when you're suffering and you wonder, where is God in the midst of all this? The answer is always and only in the very midst of it. He's there. Not, 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 just, not, just, not just aware, he's there. He's not just have, have a cognitive, you know, awareness of, yes, that, that is happening. No, he's, he's, he's in the midst of it because he's promised you, beloved. He's promised to never leave you and never forsake you. So even, I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, even when your own stupidity got you in the place where you're in pain and in suffering, he's still there. That's good news for somebody. See, because I can believe that he's there with me when somebody else messes up and I bear the burden of it. 
But when I mess up, when I zig when I should have zagged, when I zig and zag when I should have just stayed put, that's more often me, hello. When the foot in my mouth is my own, I struggle to, to, to believe, to trust that he's still there. But promising to never leave me and promising to never forsake me is not conditional to me doing the right thing. It's conditional to him already having done the right thing. He's there. He's emotionally, he's, he has real emotions. He is emotionally present. Next thing we see is that Jesus removes barriers. Oh, this is good. Take away the stone, he says. Can we just pause for a second? That was a completely unnecessary thing that he had them do. Do you, do, do you get who Jesus is? Jesus could have like beam me up, Scotty, Star Trek, just made him materialize in front of him. He didn't need the stone to get moved out of the way. If Jesus can raise a dude who's been dead for four days, the rock is not a problem for Jesus. It's not like he showed up, he's like, oh, they got the lid on the Tupperware. Yeah, we're going to have to move that first. That's not, that's not a requirement. So why is it in the story? See, when you see these kind of things in the scriptures, don't just pass over them. Stop and look, ask them questions. There's answers there. What we need to understand is this. Jesus... I want to thread this needle well, so, so give, me, give me a little rope. Jesus is the only one who can save your soul. Okay? There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved, but he has given him the name that is above every other name, Jesus, who can save you. He's the only one. He is is the only hope that we have for salvation, for reconciliation, for adoption, for transformation. He's the only one. I want to make sure that that is well established. Without diminishing that truth, without denying that truth, I also want to say that Jesus cares about things that have nothing to do with that. See, I think because we, 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 we might come to believe and trust that, well, he's the only one who can save me, so that's the only thing he cares about. If all he cared about was raising Lazarus to life, the, the stone didn't need to get moved. He can raise him to life and materialize him right in front of them. And yet, what he's trying to get us to see is that he cares about the practical things that are limitations in our lives. There are things in our lives that seek to do two things. They seek to, to, they seek to bar our ability to hear Jesus and block our capacity to respond to Jesus. Am I talking to anybody this morning? 
I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong group. Y'all have no problems. You just hear his voice without issue, and you just, just walk in constant obedience without a single care or struggle in the world. Just preaching to myself this morning. No, there are, there, are, there are issues, there are problems, there are circumstances and situations in our life that, that make it hard, if not impossible, in that moment to hear him. And even if we could maybe make out the sound of his voice through the midst of the muffling barriers and boundaries in our life, those barriers make it impossible for us to actually do anything with what we hear. They block us, they hinder us, they stop us. Imagine if Jesus would have shouted through the rock for Lazarus to come forth and he's resurrected and then he's like, there, there's, a, there's a, Jesus, there's a rock. I mean, I know you're the rock, but there's also like a rock. There, there, are, there are things that seek to, 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 to come in between our capacity to hear and our ability to respond. And here's what I want you to hear. Jesus is violently, passionately in pursuit of removing those things in your life. Jesus is after those things. Those, those, those habits, those addictions, those circumstances, those situations, those, ooh, those relationships. Nobody wants to talk about that one. That we put up, that get, get erected to try to stop that from happening. The question to you is what is holding you back from hearing and responding to the voice of Jesus? What is it? I'm not, I'm a, let's, let's, let's level with each other for a second. I'm not talking about the stuff that you make up excuses for. You just, you, just, you just need to stop it about those things. I'm talking about the real stuff. Come on. The real things that you're like, look, I, 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 I can't hear or hear. Yeah, I heard, I heard just fine, but there's no capacity. There's no ability. There's no, there's no, there's no I can't do it. What I'm asking you this morning is to allow the goodness and the grace of Jesus to go after those things in your life. He wants to move that stone out of the way. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to transition it from something, he wants to transition it from something that blocks you from hearing and responding to being part of your testimony and ultimately glorifying him because of its removal. Jesus removes barriers. You say, but it's too late. The, the situation's already done. It doesn't matter if he moved the barrier. Look, like they've already, we've already gotten the eviction notice. They've already diagnosed the problem. He's already left. She's already done the thing. I've already failed. It's too late. You don't understand, Pastor. It's great that you want to move the stone, but the, the story, it's too late. The story's over. Well, guess what? The good news is that Jesus is not limited by, temp, by the temporal. I'm on somebody, this is, where you, this is where Christians need to understand some things that, that Jesus, we've talked about this before, is not a natural miracle worker. He is a supernatural miracle worker. So does it matter if it's, there is, oh, there's no such thing as too late when Jesus shows up. I love the way they say it, like, like, like Jesus like, hey, move the stone, They're like, but it's been four days. 
like Jesus lost track of time. Like he's like, oh, you're right. Never mind. Leave the stone there. Let's go have some falafel sandwiches. See, little did they know. See, they thought the story was over. Come on. They thought, they th- they thought Jesus was just there to join the crowd of those heartbroken over the situation. They thought that Jesus showed up for the end of the story. But little did they know, they were just getting to the good part of the story. Which means, if Jesus has shown up in your story, you're just getting to the good part of your story. If Jesus hasn't shown up yet, you're not even to the good part of your story yet. See, they think it's too late, but but Jesus is not limited by the temporal. That word temporal means two things. It means as it relates to time, right? But it also has a secondary meaning. As it relates to the natural, secular, or non-spiritual. See, we need to understand Jesus is not limited by time, and he's not limited by the natural either. So if you say, well, I see no way for Jesus to do anything here, it doesn't matter. That is an irrelevant fact. I'm not denying its fact. Jesus doesn't say, you know, when they say, well, he's been dead for four days, he's like, no, he hasn't been. No, he doesn't deny the facts. He points them toward the truth. He says, I'm not limited by that. That's not a, that's not a problem for me. See, he, 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 he shows up and says the story isn't over until I say the story is over, and not even death can make the story be over because Jesus turns graves into gardens. Can, can, we, just, can, we, just, can we just take this story off the flannel graph for like two seconds, please? And stop and think about what it had to be like to be there? Everyone's crying over the fact that it's over and he's dead and he's gone and the family's hopeless and people are just people are weeping and mourning to the point where that 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 emotion even even gets reflected in Jesus and yet now he speaks a word the guy comes out of the tomb and you're not going to tell me everyone's like that's really neat <laughs> Cool show We still got those falafel sandwiches There must have been a party like there hasn't been a party. (laughs) I mean, imagine, has anybody ever been to a funeral? Imagine if the dude got out of the coffin. Come on, we put this on the flannel graph so we don't have to think about this stuff. But that's what happened. Jesus shows up and ruins this guy's funeral. First, he's like, open up the casket. (laughs) No, yeah, it'll be fine. The truth is, this is the worst funeral ever. Because this grave goes from being a grave and gets turned into the place of intimacy and encounter with Jesus. 
Come on, death doesn't end the story because Jesus is the author of life. He doesn't have it to give. He is life himself. So Jesus shows up and transforms the situation. So so let's just make sure we're tracking. He shows up. He's there. Come on. He removes the boundaries. He's not stopped by the situation. He's not limited by it. He speaks one command. Lazarus, come out. And I love, I love, I love how just nonchalantly John's like, and the man who had died came out. (laughs) Passionate John is just like, and then it happened. That's how good Jesus is. His word brought life to a dead man. Just like his word brought life to you when you were a dead man. If you're here this morning and you're separated in your relationship with God, one word from him can bring life to that dead place in your soul. You go, but I've, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad it's been. You don't know how far I've gone. All of that is irrelevant. One word. One command. Lazarus, come out, and the man who was dead came out. It happens. It takes place. His word brings life, and his word is the message we preach. Amen? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of your adoption. It's the gospel of you moving from death to life. Because he is always and he is only good. And it's the gospel of him taking the impossible situation and circumstance that you find yourself in and doing the impossible for it. Come on, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? Come on, we serve a God, yes, who is the only one who can save you. But he cares about the little things as well. He cares about them. He wants to turn every grave in your life into a garden for his glory and for your good. That's the God we serve. Come on, somebody. That's the God we serve. You say, well, well how, 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 does, how does our grave transform into a garden? How does our grave transform into a garden? Verse 40 and verse 42 says it very clearly. We believe. Come on, we believe. We believe. We believe. But here's, here's, here's where I've got to make some. Make, I want to make sure we're clear on what I just said. What do we mean? What does it mean to believe? Because if you're if you were like me and you spent any time, I'm gonna talk to Christians for a minute. Can I talk to Christians for a minute? If you're like me and you spent any time in the faith movement, thank God for, for, for a lot of the teachings that came out of the faith movement. But if you spent any time in it like I did in the faith movement, you were taught that faith, that belief was kind of like faith and belief was taught to you in, in Peter Pan. I think Peter Pan's actually a pretty good picture for the faith movement. I'm just talking to Christians right now. If you're not a Christian, if you're not, if you haven't been around, you can just check Facebook or something. Get Grubhub ordered so you got it when you get home. 
Because we're, we're just told, and the faith movement just told us to think happy thoughts and then the impossible would happen. If we just think happy thoughts enough, then we'll just woo, float away, fly away, and we can go be children for the rest of our lives. But it also taught us this. When Tinkerbell dies, we just close our eyes, clap our hands, and scream, I believe. Nobody else had this, nobody else had this struggle? Come on. We just close our eyes, ignore the facts, pretend like they don't happen, clap your hands real loud so you don't hear any other message, and just scream that you believe, and then little Tinkerbell will come back to life again. The problem is that thinking of belief has nothing to do with what the word believe means. The word belief in the Greek actually means to entrust. To believe is to entrust our lives to Jesus' care. It's not closing my eyes and ignoring the situation. It's not drowning out the noise of the truth, of the facts. It's about entrusting and saying, hey, you know, I I see what's happened. He's dead. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus, they, they tell Jesus that. And Jesus doesn't say, well, don't speak that. You shouldn't speak that. Don't speak that over yourself. No, what he says is, that's not the important part. The important part is you believe. Can, can, I, can I paraphrase this for a second? You can throw rocks at me later if you, if you can figure out if I'm wrong or not. What he's saying is, Martha, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Pop the Tupperware. Do you trust me? Do, do, you, think I'm just, do you think I'm just having you move the stone out of the way because I want to see his dead body? Do you, will you entrust this situation to me? Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to work it out. Stop trying to, try, try to, try to, hey, okay, well, if this happened, and if that happened, if this, this goes over here, man. If we could just maybe, if we could, if we could somehow scrape this from over here, and then maybe we can pay enough so that we can get another month extension, and then, then, well, that future us can figure out how to deal with that. He says, stop it, Martha, stop it. Do you trust me? Will you entrust your life to my care? Do you trust me? It's about humbly and wholeheartedly taking our life, our day in and day out life, our day by day, our moment by moment, struggle by struggle, issue by issue, Win by win, triumph by triumph, taking all of it and wholeheartedly, humbly putting it in his hands. That's yours. I'm going to trust you with all of it. I can't figure it out. I don't know how it's going to get worked out, but I trust you. I trust your ability to raise the dead places in my life more than I trust my ability to keep them dead. I trust you. I trust you. Let's stand to our feet.
So this morning, I, I, I maybe shift our perspective a little bit this morning. going to get to our typical response here in just a sec. Well, it's not even going to be typical. It's going to be weird. That's fine, though. I like weird. I'm going to hang out with you people, so. Um, so I was praying this morning, getting ready for this, looking over the text one more time. Felt really strongly, and, and faith just started me and so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna step out in this um, talk about barriers stones blockades things that that, that seek to limit and hinder um, I don't know who I'm talking to but if, if you're here and you'd say there is something right now presently in this moment in my life there's a there is a a barrier something that, that is seeking to 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 block my ability to hear or bar my capacity to respond to what it is that God would say to me. So I, either you're struggling with something tangible in your life that makes it hard for you to hear. Maybe it's a situation, maybe it's a circumstance. Specifically, I feel like maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, a medical condition that the, come on, I, I suffered with chronic pain for, for decades. And I can, I, can, I can testify that sometimes chronic pain makes it real hard to hear. I don't know what it is, but I feel like if that's, if you'd be honest, when I was talking earlier, I, I feel like specifically when I was talking about this earlier, for some people, there was something in you that was like, I, I got some of those, those stones. I got some of those barriers. And I just have faith this morning for, for those things to get moved. And so here's what I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be bold. I'm going to ask you to be bold. If that's you and you'd be honest with every head up, with every eye open, I don't care. If that's you, you say, I've got a barrier in my life, needs to get moved out of the way. Will you just raise your hand so I can pray for you right now? Okay, I'm in the right room. Good to know. Pastor in the right church. I just wanna pray. If, you're, if you know the person around you, if your hand was up, if you know the person around you and you wanna lay hands on, that'd be great. No pressure if you don't. It's not about me. It's not about personally hands on you. It's about Jesus, amen? So Holy Spirit, I thank you this morning. I thank you that your heart is a heart to see these things removed. You want them gone more than we want them gone. Lord, if they're there and they're limiting, they're hindering, they're, they're putting a, a lid, I literally see it's, it's like a lid that's been screwed on to the hearts of your people. And it's stopping them from being able to hear your voice. It's stopping them even when they do feel like they hear. There's literally an inability to be obedient. God, both of those things. The intimacy of hearing your voice and the authority to obey your voice. Both of those things, I believe, according to your word, are the birthright of your sons in the kingdom. You didn't welcome us into the family to never speak to us. 
You don't speak to us simply so that you, you, you can say you, you, you spoke to us, but rather you speak to us to invite us into being a part of what it is that you're doing in the earth today. And so for those that lifted their hands, and maybe those that are at home that would be in agreement with this as well, God, that, that need you to move those stones, we speak your word by faith and an authority for those things to be removed. We say they have no place in the life of the sons of God. And because of who you are, Jesus, we believe that stones are being removed right now. Bodies are being healed. Pain is dissipating. God, the impossible circumstance is being shifted and being made possible again. God, I pray that as these stones are removed, that your word would ring out clear in the ears of your sons. That the feet of your bride would walk swiftly in obedience to what it is that you've called her to do. No more, no more, no more hesitation, no hindrance, God. That, that I, I hear the, the excuse, the lie of the enemy, but it's impossible. How could I do that? God, you always call us to do the impossible. Everything you've ever called us to do has been impossible. You called a dead man to come out of a tomb. That was impossible, and yet he did it. So God, would you give them the supernatural capacity to take that first step? We silence the voice of the enemy that would argue. We say stop arguing and obey. Our job is the obedience. Holy Spirit, your job is the outcome. So we don't try to figure out the outcome. We just try to figure out the obedience. How can we be fully, completely, totally, quickly, without hesitation and without hindrance, without limitation, without lagging? God, that we would obey to the fullest extent possible. And as that step is taken, we believe provision will come for the next step and for the next step and for the next step. And before we know, we've walked out of the tomb, come on, and our grave has been turned into a garden. In Jesus' name. I want to ask you, as as you, if you raised your hand, if you would let us know, either with one of the welcome home cards or you can email us. Let us know what's going on and and let us know as things shift. Come on, we believe that stuff's going to shift, amen? When we pray, stuff happens. Not because we pray, but because he makes impossible things happen. And he loves to respond to his children. So as, as, let us know what the situation is so we can continue to pray, but also as that situation shifts, let us know so that we can rejoice with you, amen? All right, we're going to move into our response. I I, I, I sort of threw this at the team this, this week and... If you're here, we want to respond a little differently, but I want to encourage us to entrust our lives to Jesus this morning. I know that that's too simple. We like complicated. But I I just want to call us to entrust our lives to him. So if you're here this morning and, and you would say, hey, I've never trusted Jesus. I've never done, I've never done that. Today's your day. Come on, somebody. Today's your day. And trust your life to Jesus. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to argue. Just here's what the Bible tells you to do. Repent and believe. Admit and abandon. Come on. 
all those things in your life that you've tried to fill your life with to try to find who you are, to try to, to, to make yourself safe and secure, to try to bring yourself joy, all those things, come on, they will ultimately always let you down. So let them go. Admit them and abandon them. And then embrace Jesus and entrust your life to him. And if you're doing that, we want to celebrate with you. We want to rejoice with you. We want to help you along in that journey. We want to welcome you, come on church, into the family. So would you go and let somebody know? we got a prayer team down here in the little lit area behind the chairs down there. We put it over there so you can actually have privacy. What, a, what an idea. We want to encourage you to make your way over there and let somebody stand with you and pray with you. Let somebody rejoice with you, welcome you into the family of God. But if you're here, maybe, and you're going through some of those, those situations, those circumstances, you're hurting maybe experienced a loss I want to just tell you man, your story isn't over come on somebody if Jesus is in your story you just got to the good part so entrust him to do come on to do what he always does to do good he has only and ever done good to you Sometimes, come on, let's, let's, let's be real. Sometimes he hides the good in what looks like bad. But it's always and it's only good. Always. So we can trust him. So this morning, here's, here's what I want us to do. We're, we're going to respond. We're going we're gonna to sing. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna lift our hands. We're going to set our attention and our affection on him. We're going to take communion together. We're going to remember the means by which we can be brought back into relation with him. His broken body and his shed blood. We're going to do that you got a need, you got something going on, we're going to make use of the ministry team. It's not just for those who are repenting and believing the gospel. Those people would love to pray with you regardless of what you got going on in your life. But this morning, I really felt like it was important for us to stop and believe. Because here, to entrust our life and to rejoice. I think we can, we can get... We can like to get real cerebral when it comes to entrusting, can't we? Mm, yes, I entrust. Mm-hmm, yea, verily. Yea, verily, I believe. I don't think the moment Lazarus came out of the tomb, they were like, yea, verily, I believe. I think they threw a party. And here's the cool part. I didn't have time to get to this earlier because I was trying to rush to get to here. But now that I'm here, I'm going to just take my time. Two of you are excited about that. I don't care. Jesus said, if you believe, you would see the glory. That word glory literally means splendor, majesty, wonder, awesome deeds. See, something shifts when we believe. When we entrust our life, we get to see the radiance and the might of God get released into that situation. And so this morning, I've asked the team, well, I want to sing that song again, Graves into Gardens. I want us to declare, come on, that, that there's nothing, come on, nothing better than him. Come on, if you've got Jesus, even if Lazarus is still in the tomb, Jesus is better than Lazarus anyways. Even if the situation hasn't shifted yet, he's better And yet we also believe that he turns graves into gardens. 
turns bones into armies. Come on, that he, he allows us to exchange. Come on, Isaiah says we exchange our ashes for a beautiful headdress. Literally in Isaiah, what that means, that the, what that picture is, is that ashes were thrown on, on your, you threw ashes on your head when you grieved. And the word beauty, it, the song it says beauty for ashes. It's literally a beautiful headdress is what it says in the, in the Hebrew. Literally what, it's, what, what the text is trying to get to is he takes away the dead thinking in our lives and he gives us living, beautiful thinking. Some of you have been plagued in your thinking. You just can't get out of this dead cycle of thinking. And I think as we lift up our voices, come on, we rejoice in him. He wants to take away some of that dead thinking and bring life into the way we think. So I'm going to pray and we're going to respond. So Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you that with you nothing is impossible. Thank you that your presence is here in our midst. Thank you for the miracles that you do. Come on, church. Thank you, God, that, that, that as we entrust ourselves to you, come on, we believe we will see the glory of God. I would have, come on, I would have given up if I did not believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, he who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him for us, will he not also with it give us all things? You have been given all things, come on, that pertain to life and godliness in Jesus. So we rejoice this morning. Come on, we turn our eyes from the places the world says we need to look and we set our attention and we set our affection on you, Jesus, this morning. And we declare with all faith with all entrusting, with all belief, God, that we will see you move in these situations because you and you alone deserve the glory. In Jesus' name, church, come on, let's lift our voice and let's worship Jesus this morning.